G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-oriented, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. If you want to find success in anything, just do the opposite of what everybody else is doing, right? Right, exactly. I mean, if we are looking at the average person, even the average American, I mean, their lives are pretty monotonous. You know, it's they're working their nine to five or nine to seven job in some cases, right, or longer. I mean, they're just working themselves to the bone. They have no real freedom. Uh, they dream of freedom, and they might even make good money, but they still don't have freedom. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reed as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show.
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Miles. Chris is a, is a cash flow expert and an anti-financial advisor. He's a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals about how to get their money working for them today. He's an author, podcast host, and he owns his own company called Money Ripples, which helps people achieve life-changing financial results. And in fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by over $200 million in the last 10 years. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Chris. Welcome to the show. How are you today, mate? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Mate, my pleasure. Um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you do and how you do it, mm-hmm. do you want to rewind the clock and tell me about how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first time I'd say my first real dollar as a kid was uh, working for my mom, actually. My mom uh, owned an art gallery, you know, had a little art gallery that she had. So I was about eight years old or so. And, uh, and yeah, she's like, okay, if you want to have art classes, I'm not paying for you. So you got to earn your keep. So I was making a whopping $3.15 minimum wage per hour at that time and did, you know, cleaned out paint thinner cans and swept and mopped and all that kind of stuff that, you know, I guess a few eight-year-olds do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so helping mom around the, uh, the art studio. I know my mom was also an artist. Oh, cool. uh, never got paid. For, never got paid for doing it. Just had to help her out. And, <laughs> and uh, I don't have an artistic bone in my body besides appreciating art. But it's funny how we've both grown up with with artistic mums. And uh, I don't know about yourself, but I'm not an artist. I'm more of that black and white mathematical brain. <laughs> I, I kind of buried my talent in that too, and now I'm more on the left brain versus the right. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, mate, walk us through. You know how you built what you've built. You know, did you go to university? Did you cr- cr- go to have a job, and then all of a sudden had an epiphany one day, said, "Screw this, and let's get into becoming an entrepreneur." Uh, sort of actually, yeah, that was pretty close. Um, I actually went to university, um, and while I was one, not, in, not even a class, I was one uh, project away from getting my bachelor's. Um, I was getting my bachelor's in sociology with a potential triple minor in Japanese psychology and ballroom dancing. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds like you had a fun university. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's actually why I picked it. Cause I was actually one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers at the time. Ah, so okay. I was doing that. Um, but I, I dropped out because my intention was to become a business consultant. And I thought, well, instead of getting book smarts, I should have real life experience. So I left, I, I said, all right, I'm going to try to find some business to do. I wasn't sure what. And the first thing that came my way was becoming a financial advisor, right? And this is right around, you know, 9-11, Y2K era, right? So perfect time to become a financial advisor. And, uh, and it was no salary, no, com- you know, it was all straight commission, that kind of thing. So I had to build a business and, and I ended up just liking it. I ended up really liking being a business owner. And so I, I stayed dropped out of college, never went back. I did try to go back once, but then they said, well, you, you haven't been back for five years. So you got to take a year and a half worth of courses. I said, well, screw that. Not for a sociology degree. So uh, I would make way more as an entrepreneur. And so that's what I did. And, you know, I, I even, uh, you know, I was that financial advisor for probably about four years. And then I realized that that stuff doesn't work. It's all bull crap. You know, the whole saving mutual funds, 401ks, save it forever. And then someday you might retire. I ran the numbers when I ran real life numbers in there. The reality, it never worked. You can never get somebody to retire unless they're like saving 100% of their income. So I thought, well, that's not good. You know, why, why do I, am I selling this? I'm basically a, a deceiver, you know, because I've been deceived myself believing this was true. So in 2006, I quit. Vowed never to go back, never to teach about money again. I was just going to do mortgages as a mortgage broker and teach ballroom dancing, right? 
And, uh, and as I was doing that, um, of course, I met other guys that were, were millionaires, self-made millionaires, guys that were in business and real estate. And, uh, and that's kind of what got me on that journey. I was actually able to retire the first time in 2006. You know, that same year after I quit, I was actually able to retire and get out of the rat race. And then I was like, well, what am I going to be when I grow up, right? What's that next step for me? Um, and that's where in 2007, I kind of came out of retirement and said, all right, I'm going to start teaching people how to do it. And I went through the recession. I went from millionaire to upside down millionaire, was back in the rat race, had to claw my way back out, dug myself back out again, and then was able to retire three years ago again. And I've kind of been like this anti-financial advisor, as you said, right? Where, you know, I've really been telling people to not do the traditional norm, but to do something different, like do things like real estate investing or, you know, syndications or whatever it might be, or things that are alternative investments outside of the norm that any financial advisor would offer you. It's incredible that you've gone through two cycles of financial freedom. You yeah. want to talk a little bit about that and how, why you went, had to go back into the workforce? Because a lot of people on this show, we talk about achieving the financial freedom, but we don't actually hear about the stories of people having to go, being sucked back into the workforce to then yeah. eventually become free again. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, when I came out of retirement in 2007, things were great. You know, things were awesome. I had multiple streams of income coming in and then I was doing this more as a mission. You know, I was working with a partner to do that. But uh, what was interesting is that the people we were talking to were real estate investors, right? And, uh, and there were more gambling real estate investors, not the good kind. <laughs> and uh, so between that and the fact that my part, you know, the partner I was working with at that time, he said, hey, um, I don't want you doing all these other streams of income. Why don't we cut those off and you focus on this? So mistake number one, I cut off my multiple streams of income. Yeah. Mistake number two, uh, even with my other investments, like with real estate and things like that, I wasn't worried about cash flow because there was so much appreciation. It's like, oh, I could be negative equity doesn't, you know, or negative cash flow and I'll still be okay, right? Because I've got other streams of income coming in to, to kind of smooth it over. Well, I mean, that doesn't work when all of a sudden, you know, you kind of stick that stick inside the bicycle spokes and you flip over the handlebars, right? And when everything stops that engine right. and that's what happened. I, you know, I cut off these streams of income and then all the people we're talking to and working with didn't have money either because they were real estate investors that were gambling. And so I just watched the whole thing just fall apart. And I went from, you know, not even having to worry about money to a point where I was saying, dang, I'm in the hole $16,000 a month between my business and my personal expenses. Wow. And, uh, and eventually I ended up being over a million bucks in debt and, uh, and I had no money and no credit. So I, that's where I was like, crap, I came out of here to, I, the whole reason I came out of this is because I was out of the rat race to teach people to do the same thing. Well, now I'm back in it. And so it stayed integrity, just like the same reason I quit being a financial advisor, stayed integrity. I said, well, I can't tell, tell people how to get out of the rat race, even though I could, I'll do it again. Still, I, f I feel like a schmuck. So uh, instead I said, I'm, I'm just going to teach people how to do what I've already done, which is get resourceful, how to find the money to invest or whatever. Cause that was what people were complaining about. They're saying, well, I just can't get access to money. But I had to get so creative during that time because I had no money and no credit. I had to find a way to get to do that, to keep myself out of bankruptcy. And wow. so I started telling people how to do the same thing, how to, you know, stop the money leaks and things like that and find money they didn't know they had. And that became kind of the focus of my business for several years was just helping people find money and get resourceful, you know? Um, and then slowly, eventually I started to dig back out of it, pay off loans and debts and, you know, and uh, get myself to a positive cash flow place and then started to build my portfolio again, right? Um, and that's where I was able to finally, December, 2016, I looked at my numbers and said, all right, to my residual, my passive income streams, I'm out of the rat race again. 
So then I started bringing that theme more back into my teaching more recently, right? So you never had to go back to a corporate job. You just, you just the state of your economy with you in your own house was that you were, you're not making ends meet. Right. right exactly. Like I, I, I actually try getting a job. You know, I remember I tried to get a, a paper delivery route at four in the morning because I thought, hey, I'm not working then, right? And funny enough, they would never call back. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm that unemployable as an entrepreneur. So, um, yeah, they, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to interrupt. It must have been pretty hard to have to go and do something like that, to go and apply for a job that you thought maybe not necessarily below you, but after achieving what you've achieved and, and knowing what you know to go and have to do something mundane like a paper app. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know, I was trying to think of how to take care of my young family because I had a whole bunch of kids, you know, that were needing me. My wife wasn't working outside the home. She was busy taking care of them. And, and it was, it was rough because I mean, her family, a lot of the in-laws, right. They were saying, Hey, you should have finished your degree. That was stupid. Go back and finish your degree. Go get a good job. You know, you, we knew you wouldn't be good as an entrepreneur, you know, that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> um, you know, even though I had been successful before, there was like, oh, that was, a, you know, flash in the pan kind of thing, you know, just go get a job, take care of your family. You can do that as a hobby on the side, right? And, and that never sat well with me. I, I, I mean, there was even a time where my wife at that time, we're, we've now been divorced, but my wife at the time, she was like, maybe I should just take the kids and move in with my sister so you can figure stuff out. Wow. If you've ever seen the movie Cinderella Man with Russell, no, Russell Crowe, he wears the boxer, um, oh, yeah, same yeah. kind of thing happened to him and, and it put him in a, this spiral of depression, right? And I was like, no, that's the worst thing you could do. And of course, I was watching that movie at the time, so it was even worse because I'm like, that's me, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it was rough because like, everybody's like, okay, you got to figure crap out. And, and they were right. I did. Um, so what was the turning point? Like what mentally, how did you have to scrape the bottom of that barrel <laughs> to know that your, your family's potentially going to leave you, you got no money and what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, that's where I, I, there's a few things. I mean, there's the financial side, but the mental side was the hardest part, right? right. So on the mental yeah. side, um, there was books, there was two books that really helped me out during that time. Uh, one of them was called Never Give Up by Donald Trump. You know, it, I would call it his more humble or least egotistical books of the books he's written. <laughs> you know, he talks about some of his failures, right? Although he still somehow spins it to make it a success, right? But uh, yeah, that was a good one for me. Never give up. And then there's another book called Three Feet from Gold by Greg Reed and Sharon Lecter, who co-wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. um, great, great stories about how a lot of people would say, hey, it took me only 10 years to become an overnight success, right? And things like that. And and just trying to find the positive. And, and I, I got to tell you, like, I felt like I knew that what I was going through, I would try to have this forward vision of thinking there's got to be a purpose behind this. Like there's a, there's a bigger reason behind this. Like this is not an accident. This has to be happening to me for a reason. There's got to be, and the worse it gets, it's kind of like Napoleon Hill, right? With every adversity, there's, there's a seed of a greater or equal opportunity. Yep. So I thought, well, if this is this bad, this sucks so hard. Like, I can't imagine how awesome it's going to be on the other side of this, right? So I try to forward think to that. I was like, man, that's going to be awesome. Like, oh, this day was horrible. Man, this is going to be great. And uh, even when collectors called, because I had multiple times a day, collectors calling me to try to collect, right? And I had no money. Uh, so instead of avoiding their calls, I started answering the calls. Because I, I started calling them I love you calls. <laughs> because, you know, the funny thing is friends and family, they started leaving 
when people were, you know, when, when I was going through tough times, they would scatter, mm. right? When I, things are good, they're all around me trying to figure out like, hey, that's awesome, you know, what are you up to? But when things are going bad, then they all just disappear. But those collectors, they never disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> they were calling every day. And so I would have to call like their old buddies. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Good, Mr. Miles has an attempt to collect on a debt. Yeah, I know. Can you pay us? Nope. When will you? No clue. Well, um, all right. Well, are you going to pay us? Yeah, someday. Okay. Well, we're going to keep calling. That's great. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Bye. And I, I, would, I wouldn't answer every one of their calls, but at least once a week or so for each of those companies, I would answer the phone because I started memorizing their numbers, you know, and I knew who was calling me. And I would do that. And until the point where eventually I was able to say, guess what? I've got a little bit of money. You want to settle? You know, I'd start settling for pennies on the dollar, you know, maybe like 20% or so. And mm -hmm. so I started, you know, dig my way back out. And here's the thing is that as I started to do that and started to release the attachment of, of trying to hit my goals by a certain time or trying to fix my problems, I just got to the point I said, listen, like I know that these principles that, and, and the strategies that I teach work. Um, if this takes 20 years, it takes 20 years. Whatever it's going to be, it's worth it. If it's God's will, awesome. Like I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and hang in there. Mm -hmm. And right when I had that mental shift, especially where I got that place of submission, that's exactly when everything turned around. That's when all of a sudden the right relationship started showing up. And, and then I was able to use my talents and gifts to serve them. And they were centers of influence and they started spreading the word. And we went from almost bankrupt in 2009 in our company to all of a sudden by the next year, we did over 5 million in business, you know, and, and that's, and that's a big reason. It was, yeah, there's all the stuff of trying to be, you know, a wise steward, watching my money, being careful with it, selling off whatever I could sell off to try to make ends meet, basically do everything, right? Other than selling my own blood, you know? Uh, I wasn't selling plasma. I didn't go that far, but I was doing about whatever I could to, to make it work. And, and it finally was just a long enough period to stick in it that it worked. It did. That's, it's an incredible what you just said there, the attachment to hit my goals. I think that is so important in our pursuit of quote-unquote success, given what the age we live in of the instant gratification yeah. that you know people are so caught up with the blinkers on and they have to hit this goal by a certain time and if mm -hmm. they don't hit it, they'll quit. Right? I, see, I interview so many people and I see so many people um, you know, who, who, who don't have the right mindset on the front end and that, and that three feet from goal, like, mm -hmm. it's okay that it takes you five years or six years or eight years or 10 years or 20 years. People who achieve financial freedom in 18 or 24 months, they're freaks, right? Yeah. Don't, li don't listen to the hype. It took me, I right. picked up the book Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2009. I didn't become financially free in 2017, yeah. right? Like that it took, and, and that's me moving to a whole new country and doing the whole bloody, all the, all the thing. But it was hustling, right? Yeah. And it's okay that it was my journey. Now, if I'd given up, if I'd said I was going to do it, and it was, it was tough times, right? There were mentally tough times of like, this is not working or what the hell am I doing? Or I'm trying, I'm burning myself at both ends because I'm trying to get a full-time job. I have got my full-time job and I'm trying to make it work on the side. But at the end of the day, it's to your point of like surrendering to the fact that it might take a little bit longer. And that is right. okay. I have so many people who are like, Reed, would you change anything you, you do? Or oh God, I wish I I'd started investing 20 years ago. I tell them, guys, stop talking like that because you're yeah. here today showing up in the next 20 years are going to be freaking incredible. Mm -hmm. Your 20 last 20 years is brought you to this point and that's okay. 
And you need to be okay with that because if you keep walking around with a dark shadow around you thinking, oh, poor me, poor me, mm-hmm. then you're never going to be able to go and do, you know, crush the next 20 years of your life. So I think that's it's super important. But, but back to the detaching, a lot of people have time associated with goals. Yes. Where I, I start looking at it as, as targets. There is a target out there in, in time that I want to hit something, right? Yeah. Whatever it is. Does it, and someone said to me one time, and I would love your opinion on this, and it's to do with multifamily real estate investing, but it's like mm-hmm. when you're sitting at 80 years of age with your grandchildren, does it really matter to them if you had 5,000 units in 2020 right. or 10,000 units in 2030? Does it really matter? And, it, yeah. and the answer is no, it doesn't. Nope. And that to me, that gives me a little bit of goosebumps right now because it's like, it's so true. Right, and that's and then you got to put it in perspective, and and so I just wanted to add that a little bit in there because I'm so passionate about that type of stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you when I, I it's um I it's coming back to that same book, um, Three Feet from Gold. Right, they interviewed Truant Cathy, who's the the owner of Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. and Truant Cathy he actually says don't plan, which is completely counterintuitive, especially for people that are planners, right? <laughs> right. And even for me, like I would try to map things out, like try to hit goals and stuff. He's like, no, you have a vision that you set out there, like you're saying, a target, right? You set it out there. It could be like a five-year vision or longer. It could be 10-year vision. It could be 10-year, yeah. It could be longer than that. But, but it's the, the important thing is he's like, I don't care about you know, hitting targets or whatever along the way. He's like, all I need to do, know is the next step towards that vision. That's all I need to know. And that's kind of what I started to adopt. I, I stopped trying to put timeframes on it, trying to make a lot of money you know, by this time or that. Um, all I look for is improvement. It's like, am I just keep progressing? It's like that flywheel concept, right? Where you're pedaling a bicycle. You get, it gets easier and easier. You got to keep shifting and shifting and you go faster and faster. Some people are just trying to like get in that, that worst gear possible. And they're like standing up on the bike, trying to push the pedals, trying to get it going instead of saying, no, just get in first gear. Just get it moving. You'll progress. You'll get there. You know, like just enjoy the ride. Yeah, I think that's the key. So, so Chris, what tools and tricks do you have up your sleeve that you can share with our audience about that sort of stuff? You know, just getting started. And, and maybe the second part of the question is, if people are listening to this and they're in that, you know, working full time and trying to hustle and got the family and trying to do it all, what advice can you give them to, to make sure that they're realizing that they are moving that needle in the right direction? It might not be as quickly as they want, but they are still moving the needle in the right direction. Absolutely. The, the biggest thing is, you know, like what I mentioned before is what's that next step for you, right? Um, so many people like, uh, <laughs> give you an example. I had a business owner that I was coaching. He was making about 150,000 a year in his business. Now, granted, this guy was in his early twenties. So I was super proud of what he's already accomplished, but his goal for the next year was $1 million, right? And I had to get in his face a little bit because he was just so sold on a million bucks. And I finally just had to say, I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're not, mind, you're not mentally in a place to make a million bucks. Like you're not there yet. You know, you have to get yourself there to do that. And I'm like, I'm like, maybe I see you actually about two to 300,000. That's where I see you mentally going to. And, uh, and his wife even piped in. She's like, that's not acceptable. I'm like, well, okay, let's just say, let's flash forward. Let's just say this year you make 300,000. What would you think about that? Like, absolutely not. That'd be horrible. I'm like, 300,000, you, you haven't even hit 25 yet. Do you know how many 45 year olds would love to make 300,000, 50 year olds, right? Like you're not putting this right perspective. And, and so they're just like, you know, and they were mad and we never had a client call again after that. Um, funny enough, he finally apologized to me this last year 
He's like, I see what you're doing now. His, his business pretty much collapsed. Like after that, it actually just completely almost shut down and, uh, and he's rebuilding again, you know? And, and I think that's the thing is you got to know what that next step is, is that, you know, if you've never made 10,000 a month before, well then cool. Well, maybe that's your next step. Or if you've never made 5,000, maybe then 5,000 a month should be the next step. Same thing with passive income. Like, cool. Like maybe you're, you've made a couple hundred bucks a month. Cool. Thousand, you know, maybe your goal is 20,000 a month. Cause I get people all the time and say, Chris, my goal is 10,000, 20, 30,000 a month. How do I get there as quickly as possible with the assets I have? Right. And I'll consult people on that. But a lot of times like, just look for that next step. Like if you're at a couple hundred bucks a month, get to a thousand a month. If you're at a thousand, get to 2000. If you're at 2000, maybe get to five and just keep stretching. And if you stretch it out and you start to keep just going step by step, and get yourself mentally there where by the time you hit that number, you'll say, oh, okay, I was already expecting that. I already knew it, right? right. Um, I think, uh, I remember I had a friend once that said, you know, sometimes people think something is possible. You know, eventually you'll progress from possible to probable to, you know, eventually if you get it to the right place, it becomes inevitable, mm. right? It's not just possible, probable, it becomes inevitable. It's the point where you say, this is just what's going to happen. And the same thing happened to me when I went from like 10,000 to 20,000 a month. And then when I went from 20 to 50, right? Like I remember thinking 50 was like absolutely crazy, you know, but now it's like, cool. Like why not a hundred thousand a month? You know, like why not more? You know, it's, it's, it's stages. You just got to keep yourself going to that next step. Yeah. And I think what, what, what you're underlying there is in probably to that 25 year old and his wife were too busy looking at uh, Grant Cardone and the 10 X rule and not, 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 there's nothing wrong with that, uh-huh. but that's where we're talking about today for the listeners out there that it's a target. 10 X is a target. Yes. It's not, t- it's not tied to time, mm-hmm. right? That's where people get frustrated. Like you know, that you know, example you just made, mentioned, he was frustrated at you because he's like, I wanted it in a year. He's like, you're only at $150,000. You're eight, you're, you're timesing that by what? Seven point, whatever it is, you know, seven, whatever the number is. Seven times, is. yeah. Yeah, seven times. Like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's maybe between now and when you're 30 or 35. Like, let's look at that next step. And it's okay yeah. to have that 10x goal in a or we'll talk, call it not goal, target, because mm-hmm. target doesn't, uh, is not, not associated with time. And then look at that. Okay, well, let's go and go 150 and, and, and let's, let's, let's just double it. Let's yeah. go and, you know, let's, let's simply just go and double. What does that mean? And what does that mean from my sales point of view? What does that mean? How many widgets do I have to sell per day? Does mm-hmm. that mean I've got to go double my, my current sales right now? Well, just doubling current sales, what is that going to mean? You know, like yeah. breaking it all down in terms of understanding the numbers behind, not necessarily numbers, but the steps to go out and then take that little step, right? That's right. To go out and double the, you know, the, the services or the business or whatever it might be. I think, it, but also the second part of what you're saying there is really important about training yourself to and it's in it i talk a lot about it on the show you've got to back yourself right you mm-hmm. you and it becomes inevitable you know mm-hmm. i want this to happen it's not like when is it going to happen sorry it's not as if it's going to happen it's like well, just when is it going to happen that's I right know, like you know it, it's it's changing that mindset and not always about being too in your own mind and, and and backing yourself to say i've got the know-how to go out and do this i wanted to achieve this in the future i'm smart enough ugly enough to go out and figure it out right that's and that's right. something that people don't work on enough right they don't back themselves enough because they're too scared of their own bloody shadow <laughs> so, <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's coronavirus being one of them you know <laughs> so um but 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 yeah I, I, but what are the other things that you can tell people that you do in a daily habit that just help break down the day or the week so people feel like they're progressing 
Yeah. I mean, one, like I start out the day, I always have a morning routine that I do where I get out and move, right? Whatever that looks like for you, but I get out and exercise. Like I'm a runner. I actually became, I eventually got myself to the point where I became a marathoner, right? Wow. Um, didn't start out that way, you know, but trust me, I, I was 40, you know, 30, 40 pounds heavier than I am now. So um, that's something that can happen over time. I'm healthier now in my 40s than I was in my 30s, you know. Um, but doing that kind of stuff, uh, you know, reading good books or listening to podcasts, you're probably doing right now, you know, like even if it's on your commute, you know, doing things to feed your mind and your body in a way, you know, good sleep, good water, good nutrition, you know, doing all those things that actually help foster an abundance mindset, keeps your mind clear, keeps it going the right thing. Because here's the thing, the average person that wakes up, wakes up, they basically roll, barely roll out of bed, you know, lucky if they shower. Um, they drink their morning coffee and then they drive off to work like zombies. And then hopefully by 2 PM they're awake. Right. Mm. And they've lost this entire day of productivity where you could start the day off right where you win even. And, and that's what I did. Like even during those hardest times, I would still keep doing that morning routine because I thought I need a win. <laughs> I need something yeah. to say, Hey, to, to, you know, by seven or seven thirty AM I've won for the day. You know, I may not be perfect, and the, there might be more crap ahead of me, but at least now I'm a winner. Now I'm successful. You know, I'm breathing, I'm living, you know, I'm not even broke because, hey, I'm still alive. I can still do what I want to, well, to some level, right? But, you know, I'm, I'm able to freely choose, you know, and I think that's, that's critical when it, with no matter where you are in your life, doing something like that, getting the right headspace. Um, and then you'll be able to see more opportunities that most people will miss because they're too much like zombies. But in, in and around that, people are so zombie-esque <laughs> because of some of their crap that they do in the morning. Let's be yeah. honest, right? Like you wake up and you f instantly turn on Facebook, you instantly turn on Instagram. Sure. Like I would encourage everyone to set your timer that you don't have it come on till after eight o'clock. Yeah. And see if you can wake up at seven and spend the first hour not looking at your phone. Take the dog for a walk. Right. Practice some deep breathing. Go do some exercise. Yeah. Do something. Just have a quiet point in your day or a, or a point in your, that can be a rock that can anchor the day to help you go off and be successful rather than just diving straight into the emails or straight into technology. Because right. I think having that quiet time in the morning, and there's so many different ways to do it. People, I, I work out as well. There's also meditation. There's deep breathing. There's walking the dog. There's just sitting on a stoop with a coffee looking at a gaze into the into nothingness just to get a little bit of to center yourself. Yeah. But there's so many different things to do. But try and use the morning period to not look at your phone. I think a lot of people just wake up and do that and hence get into that zombie mode too quickly and too easily. I yeah. completely agree. That's, it's, it's all about doing, really, if you want to find success in anything, just do the opposite of what everybody else is doing, right? Right, I mean, exactly. If we are looking at the average person, even the average American, I mean, their lives are pretty monotonous. You know, it's, they're working their nine to five or nine to seven job in some cases, right, or longer. I mean, they're just working themselves to the bone. They have no real freedom. Uh, they dream of freedom and they might even make good money, but they still don't have freedom. And, uh, and I'll tell you, every time I, when I've worked with clients, like the biggest part for people, the biggest hindrance to their freedom is usually what's going on in their head, more so than the strategy. The strategy to help somebody map out a plan to get out of the rat race and find the right investments and stuff, that's actually easy. Because if you got the right mindset, you see it too. And you're like, oh, got it, you know? Versus like somebody I just talked to where they're like, Oh man, we've lost 10% in the stock market because of a virus. But I mean, should we stay in it? I'm like, why? 
you know, it sucks. The market sucks. It's done seven and a half percent average for the last 30 years. Why do you want to be a part of that with that bipolar nature that you can't control? You're at the mercy of it when you could be doing real estate, making double digit returns. Like that's just stupid in my mind. But they're like, ah, oh, we're gonna have to think about it. Like, oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> you can think about when you lose another 30,000 out of your $300,000, you know, congratulations. You know, that's, that's what happens, you know, and people get caught in that stuck routine of what everybody else does. And the way to freedom is essentially doing the opposite, seeing what's out there, seeing that opportunity, looking with different eyes. And then the, the, the path to get there, the how to, it's actually really easy. Yeah. It, it's, you know, um, Einstein's uh, formula E equals MC squared. I'm a math geek. You know, uh -huh. you have the constant, which is the M, right? The constant is right. going to be the strategy, the, you know, the, the real estate or the investing or whatever. That's, it's constant. It's not going to change much. The C squared is the, me is the mentality, right? Mm -hmm. That's the variable and it's up to us as humans. And it's that 80-20 rule, right? Like that C squared is so powerful in this analogy because it's you. It's, it's what's going on between your ears that's causing you to say, I need to think about it or I'm going to yeah. get back to you or I'm going to sleep on it. Or, mm -hmm. and, and, and here's the thing it boils down to is don't be a fool and continue to learn. Like people get to the stage where they think they know it all, <laughs> right? Because everyone's telling them, yeah, you're doing a great job and you know, this is exactly what you got to do and invest in the stock market, invest in mutual funds and blah, 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 blah. And then when it goes bad because they haven't continued to learn, right? And I think mm -hmm. the reading the books, the podcast, the meditation, the constant um, pursuit of learning and being, you know, open enough to, to take on more information as you grow older is yeah. really important as well. And so you are moving with the times, right? You are, mm -hmm. as the wave of change comes, you know, inevitably with a new recession coming through, the way in which you have money in the future is not to be a fool. And I remember my dad always used to say to me, a fool and their money are easily parted. So don't be a fool. <laughs> Go out and, 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 you know, be educated. So, um, but Chris, I want to wrap up the show with te you telling me how your 17 secrets to free up cash today. I, it was one of the little topics that was on the, uh, the info sheet. I was actually really under wanting to understand what's, what are 17 ways people can free up cash in today's, uh, today's world? <laughs> Well, it's actually supposed to be seven. That's a typo there, but uh, oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but all right, well, let's go with seven. But I, 17, I probably could come up with seventeen, but uh, <laughs> let's just give you a few because, like you said, we want to wrap it up and get it there. So I'll just power punch you with it. So you know, one tracking your money, right? Like when I was going through those hard times, when I finally started to look at my money and not just track expenses, income and expenses, because understand that savers who are in scarcity and can never become financially free, they only look at the expenses, but they ignore the income. Spenders who are also not financially free and in scarcity look at income but ignore the expenses, right? A steward, which is in the middle, who's the only one that actually can be abundant, they see both. They say, how can I increase that income and how can I be efficient with my expenses, right? And so I'll tell you, like I had somebody, who has, they just started tracking here recently and when all was said and done, we're like, you know, you can still have a good lifestyle and do almost the same things you've been doing, but just because you're watching your money, we'll probably free up 2,000 bucks a month. That's 24 grand a year that, I mean, that even if you just buy a, a single family home, that's like a single family home a year you could be buying with that. Like could turn into something pretty significant, you know? Right. So I'm like, that's just a little stuff. So, I mean, that's one and that's a good first step. You know, two is uh, don't be afraid of debt, you know, but be efficient with it too, right? So respect it, but don't fear it. Um, I use an index, I call it cash flow index, where I take the balance of that loan I divide it by the minimum monthly payment and it'll give me a number, right? Uh, so for example, say I have a $10,000 credit card, it's 200 bucks a month. 
but then I also have a $10,000 car loan that's $500 a month. Now, naturally, if the credit card's a higher interest, the Dave Ramsey's of the world will say, pay off that credit card, right? Get rid of it. They'll say, pay off everything. But um, I'll look at it and say, well, based on this, like if I pay off that $200 a month credit card, that's an index of 50. 10,000 divided by 200 is 50. But 10,000 divided by 500 on the car loan is 20. The lower the number, the more I want to pay it off. So if I have 10 grand, I'm not going to pay off the credit card. I'm going to pay off the car that frees up 500 a month, gives me more flexibility and freedom. And I can choose to do what I want with that money rather than just freeing up 200, right? Um, so I've used that with people. So sometimes we're like, hey, the debts you have, pay minimum payments are good because these are good numbers. Some of these others, let's pay these off first, you know, and so I'll do that. Uh, another one, taxes is a huge one, right? Especially if you start going into investing. I mean, real estate for one is already awesome. But if you can find anything that we can create business side income, whatever it might be, you can write off so much stuff. I mean, you can even do like the, the whole Augusta rule, right? The corporate rent where you can pay for the use of your house one day at a time. Now, as long as you don't exceed over 14 days a year, you can take that money tax-free, right? So say, for example, you charge a thousand bucks a day for the use of your house, just like it was like an Airbnb, but you charge your company to do that. That means you could say that you did that one day a month, that's $12,000 you can have as a business write-off, but the expense, you know, the cool thing is that's an expense on the business, but the income is totally tax-free. That's 12,000 bucks a year you could take, saves you in the ballpark of somewhere about 5,000 bucks in taxes. You know, so things like that you can do. So uh, there's all kinds of ways to do it. Essentially, it comes down to how do we, you know, again, watch increased income. You know, can we create more passive income with the assets we have? Can we reduce our expenses and be efficient, whether it's with debt or taxes or whatever it might be? Love it. I love all of those ones and particularly the cash flow index. I think that's really, really powerful to look at the monthly, just for those people out there, the, the balance of the loan developed divided by the minimum monthly payment and the lower that number is, the more attention you need to pay to, pay to it. So I think that's right. a really great little tidbit there for gold, gold piece and nugget, <laughs> uh, gold nugget in there. So mate, uh, at the end of every show, we like to do a lightning round. Uh, it's called the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Uh, daily habit is, like I said, that morning routine, that morning ritual I do. Morning routine. And it, specifically about writing stuff down and meditation, was that right? Or like yeah, there's meditation as part of that too. It's reviewing the goals, tracking my progress. Yep. Awesome. Do you use any particular app with that or just writing it on a piece of paper? Uh, usually it can be paper, it could be Excel, or I got like a little, little notepad app on my phone yep. that I use to keep a list. So I'll do that That's too. Nice. Something somebody used to check in. I think it's super important. Yep. Now, question number two. Who is the most influential person in your career to date? Oh, man. Um, you know, I would say that that person is a guy that nobody's probably ever heard of. His name is uh, Les McGuire. And uh, he actually died in a plane wreck in 2006. He basically was doing the same thing I'm doing now. Um, and then right when he was about to get big, he died in a plane wreck. And um, I remember actually it was, two, it was 2006. Remember, I just got to the point I could retire. I went to his funeral and it hit me so hard. I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to pass on that legacy. And so mm. that's really what keeps me going to today and, and moving that vision way beyond wherever he was. That's awesome. Question number three is in your business, is there an influential tool that you use on a daily basis? And when I say tool, it could be software or it could be a physical tool like a phone or a pen and paper. What is your, what's the number one tool that you use in your business today? 
Um, Excel. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess I just, yeah, again, tracking and, and watching and monitoring because whatever you monitor grows, you know, whatever you ignore will decay. Right. Yep. Yep. Love it. In one sentence, what's been the biggest failure in your career to date? And what did you learn from that failure? <laughs> Not listening to my gut. Not listening to your gut. Yeah. Right. My intuition has made better business decisions than anything. Even if it went against advice from even mentors that I've had. Right. But uh, I'll tell you, like my business is the way it is today. And it's grown so much because I ignored what some people had told me would be common sense business stuff, but it wasn't the right fit for my business. Right, right. Mate, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere a little bit more. Where do they go? Yeah, they can check out my podcast. I have a show called The Chris Miles Money Show. And uh, I've got that on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Or you can go to my website, moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. And uh, you can check out, there's more information there, including those seven secrets free up cash today. There's an ebook you can actually download for yourself. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I just want to quickly reflect some of the things that I took away from today's uh, today's interview because I'm madly writing it all down here in front of me. But I think the number one thing that I took away was your ability to get up back off the ground after having to go back through some pretty dark times, it sounds like, yeah. early on in your career and having the resolve to back yourself. Um, you, this, you're one of the third or fourth interviews I've done in the, in the last little while where people have had that failure like they they've gone to the heights of success and then they've crashed back down and lost family lost health lost other things and having to rebuild and making sure that all the pillars in life are, are fulfilled and sustained so it's not just relying on that one pillar because if that one pillar goes then you've got nothing else to support you i think that's really really awesome and then the last one i, I really like the cash flow index i thought that was a cool little math equation there because you know the the, the balance of the loan divided by the minimum monthly payment for those people listening out there check your current credit card situations if you it's a cool thing you can do right now and focus on the ones with the lowest number so um yeah did, did i leave anything out that was beautiful i love it mate well again thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to jump on this show enjoy the rest of your week and we will catch up very very soon well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Chris. If you do want to get into his sphere, make sure you check out his podcast and head over to moneyripples.com. He has a wealth of information over there about the seven secrets to get our free up cash flow in today's world. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack. Mm-hmm.